Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Protect Our Past, where we value the historic identity of Cape Cod and the islands. So much that we love to talk about it here on WOMR. My name is Matt Holden. I'm the co-host of the Protect Our Past program, and I'm here with our co-founder and president of POP, Ellen Briggs. Ellen, how are you? How's your summer? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's almost half over. I I want to slow down just a little bit. Right. But then... Then my favorite month of the year is here, September. So, but let's let's enjoy the rest of summer while we yeah, can. Yeah, I'm ready. Great. So, folks, great to be here again to be a member of the WOMR listening audience. Ellen and I keep saying it's amazing they keep letting us in here to do another program. But we're pleased to be here today. And uh, for the folks joining us for the first time, um, Protector Pass focuses on educating, advocating for the saving of iconic historic properties on the Cape Cod. Um, Think about it, once gone, lost forever, and then what? If you haven't seen our most recent film, Life Rings, simply go to our website and click to watch it there on our YouTube site. And Ellen, where else can people find information about uh, Protect Our Past? We have a Facebook page. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. But we don't have TikTok. We don't have TikTok. I'm waiting for your little dance. It hasn't happened yet. That keeps coming up. Yeah. So where uh, specifically on Facebook? Protect Our Past USA. If you don't add USA, you'll end up in Ireland, Ireland. which is not such a bad place to be. But if you want to be in the U.S., it's got to be Protect Our Past USA. And on the YouTube channel, we have our pop reels. Yes. It's just uh, Protect Our Past YouTube channel. And the same for Instagram, Protect Our Past, because that's what we're here to do, to protect our Past. Exactly. And um, people can contact you directly if they have any questions or photos or any exhibits, content material they'd like to share. You know, we love hearing from all of you. And just go to info at protectourpast.org and we will look forward to seeing what you have to share with us. But let's get to our guest. Right. I always, what do I always special. say? We always, oh, our, our guests are always special and this guy's really special. Oh, he's the best. Right, so let's introduce him. You uh, want me to? I'm going to. Yeah, go okay, ahead. Drum roll. Oh, yeah, well, that's good. Um, John Jacobian is a very special person for Protect Our Past. Uh, he has lent so much of his gifts and talents to us, and it's really um, apparent when you still look at our films, uh, Love Letter to Cape Cod, and one that is just out, Life Rings, and we're going to talk about that today. John is a producer. Um, he has many jobs with in the television industry. He is he knows that industry inside and out, and we are really really blessed to have him be part of our creative team. So John um, is connected to the Cape because he, like myself and so many others, spent his summers growing up here, and we we all love it so much. We keep coming back, and we have uh, our adult lives are also spent here. So he is a heart connection to this peninsula like the rest of us. John, thanks so much for being part of this show today. Well, thank you very much for uh, inviting me. I look forward to uh, some lively conversation about the film and about uh, pop. Well, I want to get to the word soul because uh, we're we're addressing this in the next film, but it's, it's a word that has been used more frequently to describe what we feel about the Cape, but what do you envision when you think of the soul of Cape Cod? Well, one of the reasons why I felt it was important to make a film was to 
demonstrate that in a visual and visceral way. Um, we can talk about soul, but I think with the Cape especially because of the way that we relate to it on many levels, having the film um, provide some touchstones so that we can understand better about what uh, the Cape is and how we feel about it. So the soul of the Cape, I think, to answer your question directly, is many things. Um, I think for a lot of us, it's rooted in our childhoods um, and rooted in our experiences with loved ones. Um, in the best of days, um, bright sun, sand, beach, um, just a, a really special memory that um, keeps returning when we keep coming back to the Cape. Um, but so much of that is connected to the physical surroundings of the Cape as well. Um, the quaintness, the scale, the architecture, the, um, the uniqueness, um, the smell, the feel, all of those things which are really um, critical to what the Cape is and what characterizes the Cape and how we connect to it. Part of my interest in, in this film um, and why I devoted you know, so much energy to it and to this organization is because I think some of those fundamental touchstones are threatened and are in some cases disappearing. I agree with you 100%, John. Now, before we continue on that, um, I, I, we were speaking before the show, and I'm not going to ask you specifically about your network television and exploits, but could you give us some background on your career provenance? Uh, I, I understand you're a graduate of University of Albany, and, and you majored in history in college. So what attracted you to making this your first choice of studies, and, and how did it lead you into you know, TV production? Um, my, I think my training in history um, academically was born of curiosity. I'm a really curious person about everything. Why is something the way it is? Um, why is it this way versus that way? And I think um, history um, starts to answer some of those questions, not in um, concrete ways, but in exploratory ways so that you have a deeper understanding of contextually about what may have played into something to create something else. Um, TV is an interesting thing because uh, some people, there are many different paths, and, and young people ask me all the time, well, what, what should I do? What's the best way in? And I usually have an answer, well, it, it depends. Um, I think what you really need to do is learn how to express your ideas um, in a clear and coherent way. And I think for me, history and writing and reading allowed me, trained me to look at something complex and, and be able to tell someone in, different, in a different way what it is that might be going on. It's not the be all and the end all. It's just one person's view or a set of views that try to... Um, help people understand the world around them. Um, so for me, it was history and political science and then a master's in history. Uh, it was, um, 
you know, is a bit reckless because it's not an area where um, there's a clear career path. Um, but I was able to uh, secure an internship at a local TV station looking at their archives. So it was it started as history, and then I just saw what was going on in the newsroom, and it looked kind of interesting. And um, I just talked to them, and, and sort of uh, my internship after the archives was cleaned up uh, evolved into the newsroom. And a lot of on-the-job training, a lot of writing, a lot of um, just just um, really trying to explain the complexities of the world around us in ways that are digestible and and interesting and accurate. And that would include when you're doing all that curation work for the archive footage, was that um, doing work, uh, production work against a specific historical event, whether it was the late 60s or something that occurred in the 70s or... Good question. Um, the the station that I was working at was uh, WRGB in in Niskayuna, New York. Um, and prior to television, it was radio WGY, and they were um, in some some interpretations the there were among the first, if not the first, in, in a lot of technology because General Electric was was the basis of that technology. So the archive went back to the 1920s. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was mostly paper. There was some film, but it was just organizing all of that, uh, and all of the all of the characters and all of the firsts that that had marched through um, radio, FM, um, TV, color. All of those things were really um, important um, for for that station and, and in the archive. So I took all that, organized it. Fortunately, it's gone to another archive, so it's protected now. Uh, but it, it was it was um, it was a really fascinating experience. There is a lot of video, uh, I should say film, but film is is hard because it all has to be digitized, and getting the money to do that is always challenging. Mm -hmm. But what you're describing is that you use the training in studying history, laid the groundwork for you to take something from the past and and address how you address it in the in the present. Um, and I'm thinking of the film Love Letter to Cape Cod, which you directed, uh, you wrote, you did a lot, a lot of that film. And it really was addressing what the Cape Cod, what Cape Cod is all about and why we are in love with it. And I also just want to add that history is not a popular subject in school today, especially as I understand it. But it lays the groundwork for brain training, and I think that's really what you're telling me, is that your studies of history and doing research and writing have brain trained you to, to apply that skill in another area. And I think we can all learn from that. Uh, I think part of it is finding something and make it, making it relevant. Um, you know, how do you take a, a 17th or 18th century house and make it relevant and important today how do you get people to buy into that and that's the challenge on the cape especially now because so many of these houses are under threat people coming from off cape even even cape codders who don't necessarily um uh i don't want to say appreciate but but understand just how special this place is because i think familiarity um sort of numbs you to to what's around, 
but so the the challenge was to sort of illuminate the uniqueness of of the of what the cape is and with a historical underpinning so without boring people and ex- and attaching the emo- I mean and addressing the emotional attachment we have to that yes and i think uh, part of it is that people don't even realize uh, at the surface why it is that the cape feels so special they just know it is and I don't, you know, a lot of people just won't explore that any deeper. But really, I think so much of that is the is what is triggered visually. In addition to the beaches and the sand, but it's the it's the environment, and we really have to be more conscious of that because once we start to really um, change that, then we jeopardize the the whole structure. I think on the Cape. Yeah, and for folks just joining us here, we are in the WOMR studios with our um, Emmy Award-winning guest and television producer and pop board member, John Yacobian. John, question for you with respect to the the film Love Letter to Cape Cod. Where did you obtain the footage of the uh, raising of the Harwich Exchange? And I suspect that finding that has a lot to do with the training that you had at uh, your first assignment in, in your archival work. Part of the process, I think for, and for me, one of the real amazing parts of making the film was connecting to the community, um, connecting to people who um, have an interest in history, in architecture, and building. Uh, there were so many different um, voices that we were able to capture. And one of those voices was Nancy Shoemaker yes. from Yarmouth. And she's amazing in terms of uh, the archive that she has in her house. And, and she was able to um, point us to that video. Yeah. Was it on Super 8 and then transferred to digital? or Nancy already had a lot of that transferred uh-huh. and and she also understood the impact that that video had uh, and and we knew as filmmakers that this was important and we are hoping that that's kind of our Penn Station moment on Cape Cod although it's 50 some odd years later but I think people when they see that come down really ask themselves, well, how could that happen? And when you explore how that happened, you can apply that to what could happen. And I think we could use that really as a to galvanize the community, uh, to galvanize Cape Cod to say, look, things you know are still in danger and look what we don't have. You know, um, every time we show that, people gasp. That that is definitely a focal point for motions uh, for that film. But we're, we're we've just released the next film you've been working on, Life Rings. So you want to give everybody an idea of what they're going to look forward to. As we were screening the first film, one of the um, themes and one of the one of the great pleasures about making a film is actually. Um, listening to people after they watch it and getting feedback and and are the points that you anticipated um, you know uh, affecting people in fact the way that it's sort of materialized 
Um, and wood came out as a theme in the film um, that that people really related to. And it was, I think, the piles of wood that that uh, resulted from buildings being torn down and thrown away, literally dumpstered and carried off to the dump that viscerally affected people. Um, wood is a living, was a living thing. It's organic. I, we've had a connection to wood since the beginning of time, and I think people are connected to wood in ways that they may not be connected to other building materials. So it seemed like a obvious um, way to uh, examine the historical importance of, of houses on Cape Cod where wood is the predominant building material and, and really start to um, it, look at that in, in, a, in a way that would highlight history and, and really illustrate our connection to the wood. So that it's it's a more elemental approach, but wood is really everywhere on Cape Cod since the beginning, and it's critical um, to the message that we're trying to convey about why it needs to be preserved. And the really critical point is that when you tear an old house down, you don't replace it. It's that wood is old growth. It's very strong. It's very insect and weather resistant. You haul it to the dump and you replace it with something that's fast growing, that doesn't have the longevity, the resistance to insects or weather, and it just won't last. So it just doesn't make sense. It's aesthetically um, questionable to say the least, but also economically it's uh, and environmentally. So really it hits every single point as to why people need to think carefully before tearing something down and replacing it with usually it's something much larger. Maybe it's more, uh, you know, it's big rooms, it's, it's a look, it's something. But what you're looking at is not the same thing as what you uh, what you destroyed. You know, uh, it's this film is going to uh, really stir a lot of interest and and shock people because of the ecological consequences of teardowns and new builds. It is quantified by experts, and we're going to reveal all that in the film. Yes, I mean it, in. In the 21st century, um, maintaining an older house is environmentally far more responsible than building a new one. And we are starting to understand that it's not just um, drafty windows or um, you know doors that may not fit tightly that that are the environmental implications of of old versus new. Uh, you know, it's it's a far more nuanced uh, picture and something that the film will um, will look at carefully. I think John just captured the pop mission right there. Yes, because uh, we're in the business of enlightening and educating, if not entertaining people. Yeah, we like to entertain while we educate. But my goodness, when you start looking at the stats that we're going to reveal about. 
um, the consequences of teardowns and new builds, um, I think every generation is going to stop, look, and listen and say, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? What have we done? How can we... How can we have a modern life and not do that? And that is something we can do. We've proven it. We've seen it. We are. It is in the film. Uh, we have one really good example of a house in the film um, that it's a very historic house. But oh my goodness, they have all the amenities you would want in a modern house. Part of what we really are trying to do is bust myth, myths. Uh, I think. People hear historic houses and they think that you have to live in a creaky old museum. Um, and that's not really what this organization is about. That's not what the historic commissions are about across the Cape. It's not about putting a house under glass and making it um, unpleasant to live in or seemingly so. It's about reaching compromises and it's about educating and about helping homeowners and potential homeowners understand that there are responsible choices and options that people have before I'm hiring the bulldozer to knock the house down. Uh, and, and we really pride ourselves as, as an organization about being reasonable and being, um, you know, t trying to see all sides to the situation, not being adversarial, but, but really bringing everyone to the table to find some sort of uh, a, a solution that is satisfactory to all. And Ellen, I think a good point is that it's also reasonable to expect that it's gonna take time for us to bust these myths because we live in a very short-term gratification world, very transactional world now where everybody wants immediate result. And oftentimes they don't want to take the time to see what the big picture is all about when it comes to preserving a historic property. You know, I was just thinking uh, earlier, John, you spoke about uh, history and, and what it's taught you uh, and how it's taught you to think things through. And this is what we're trying to do at Protect Our Past is to educate with with an understanding we're not here to to stop change we're here to manage change so that it's a win-win for everyone but the reality is the the greener building is the one that has been restored we have a gentleman in our film mike jackson who you all will hear and he is uh has a phrase instead of doing reduce reuse and recycle it is reduce, reuse, retrofit, and my favorite word, respect. Respect for the past and respect that things can be comfortable in a historic house. And one of the driving forces for me was also respect for the generations of Cape Codders that have lived here. Um, it's, it's their past, their history that's that's the Cape. And I think part of the um, challenge of the film was to re-engage those communities in the process, re-engage them in, in the history and the direction that the Cape is going. Uh, the Cape has a lot of challenges. And, uh, you know, obviously one of them is housing. And we, in all of our thinking, about how we approach this is also a consideration about affordability because 
um, a house, whether it's new or old, if people who live here can't afford it, um, then there's then there's a gap that needs to be addressed. So in in the thinking um, with this film, with the previous film, is you know how uh, Cape Codders, you know, 12, 13, 14 generations in some cases, are you know how they'll fit into this equation. I see how I think I know how they can fit into the equation mm. based on the gal that you referenced about that produced the footage of the exchange. Is there other folks out there in the listening audience that have something in archive? They may not even know they have it. Um, but you know, share your pictures, any film you may have, whether it's on Super 8 or 16, and, and make it available to us. And uh, that certainly helps the next iteration of the film. Yeah, and I and let's assume there'll be a third one, right, Ellen? Yeah, well, I <laughs> John is like, yeah. oh, help me! I just finished one, and we haven't even discussed what the next film would be. Do you have any ideas, or you want to uh, hold off on that? Uh, I, I one of the themes that we've been skirting around, but I think we need to more centrally address is that what we're really talking about here are stories. Yes, these houses have stories, um, stories of sea captains, stories of people who picked cranberries, stories of houses that were moved from one place to another. And when we are disconnected from those stories, then the houses become just houses, not something that's that's human and associated with what's going on. So our stories um, will we'll be focusing on that as, as we move oh, on. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We, um, we talked in our last show about the the rope industry and how houses are once that became defunct they started taking the sections of how those of the wherever they made the rope and attach them to other houses so there are a lot of really wonderful stories and they're ghost stories but you'll have to wait for the next film to hear about that speaking of let's go back and talk uh, do a promo uh, plug on life rings is oh, a yeah. must see yes and you can go to protect our past org or you can go to the youtube channel to watch it ellen is there a schedule of venues where uh, it'll be we have, uh, shown yeah you're gonna have to go to our website it's a little too complicated to share with you now so go to our website protectourpast.org okay. and you're gonna you're not going to want to miss this and it's going to surprise you i think you're going to find a lot of surprises in there but the life rings the rings that are living still living because they absorb sound and moisture and energy um that are that these houses are built with so life rings that's your next best bet right and john thanks for being our guest today here at pop um Folks, you can become a member of a friend of POP. You can do it uh, through our website. And be sure to tune in on the fourth Wednesday, or is it the, the fourth Wednesday of every month at 1230, right here on WOMR. And you can also listen to our par- podcast, Protect Our Past, found on the WOMR website. Ellen, time getting small. Is any it, any closing comments? or? Well, is it time for our favorite quote? I think it's time is for it the quote. Is it my qu- turn? I think it's your okay, turn, Ellen. Okay, it's by John Sawhill. In the end, a society will be defined not only by what it creates, but what it refuses to destroy. Think about it. Until next time, folks, and thank you. Oh, keep on giving, let's go.